1: Hello, hello, hello again, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to yet another episode of Dark Night of the Podcast. It is your neighborhood scream queer, Roger Connors here, alongside my very good friend, talented director, Troy Escamilla. Troy, how are you doing today? Hey, I am great. I am great. How are you? I'm good. I'm great, actually. I'm, I'm basking in the glow of a new title of mine that was recently released called Teacher Shortage. Perhaps you've heard of it. Well, uh, maybe. I, I might have. I, I'm not sure. Maybe you directed it. Maybe yeah. it's
0: your yeah. movie. <laughs> and it, it, it's it's finally available. Um, so, yeah, check it out. It's on Amazon Prime right now. You can rent it or purchase it digitally. Check it out. And um, it's coming to DVD October 27th,
1: just in time for Halloween. I didn't know if I wanted to, like, jump right into it, but, like, how could I not? Because we've been waiting for this for, like, how long now? Two years. And, like, you know, we're both involved with the film, and I feel like if this is a horror movie podcast, we might as well just jump right into that. There's a horror movie that I'm in that Troy directed that's now available for you to watch. So if you like listening to us talk about horror movies, you should watch one we made because it's pretty good. I'm proud of it. Yeah,
0: it's getting a lot of good positive re- reactions just from people that, um, you know, are, are randomly stumbling across it. You know, I didn't even know it was going to drop on Amazon. That was a huge surprise to me. I, I found out actually from a friend on Facebook who messaged me and was like, hey, I just rented teacher shortage on Amazon. I'm like, what? Yeah.
1: So I, I feel like I probably should have been informed, but hey, it is what it is. That is mind boggling to me that you were not informed of that, but like, I'm still going to celebrate it. But like, I, I would think you'd want to like build up some buzz. So I mean, whatever, as long as they get it out to the public, to the masses, I ain't going to complain. I'm really excited that poster art. Looks so good, and uh, yeah, I, I hope you listeners enjoy it as much as we enjoy talking about it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah, if you guys uh, check it out, absolutely. Let us know. And
0: it's been a, it's been a while since we recorded it, but we've had a lot of things happen in between these last couple of weeks. I know we we had a huge hurricane scare here, so you know I didn't want to tr- I didn't want to try to record during a hurricane, but uh, but here we are, we're back. We are back with a. Very um, interesting
1: film that Roger selected. Yes, yes. I um I felt that after picking a movie, you know, Troy and I kind of go back and forth, and we pick two by two. Um, and at last, my last selection, uh, the invitation is very like rooted in reality and believable. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to pick something a little more like cerebral and a little more uh, fantasy infused. So I decided to go ahead with um, the film The Cell, which stars an ageless Jennifer Lopez. Um, and and honestly, one of the first things I want to talk about when we get into this is the fact that Jennifer Lopez does not age and it's haunting. It's, it's mind-boggling. Is she bathing in the blood of virgins? Is she eating fetuses and rubbing them on her skin <laughs> to keep her young? Because the woman is stunning. We'll talk more about it. But yeah, I picked The yeah. Cell um, and I'm happy I did because let me tell you the notes I have on this one, there's pages of them. Um, and it is, it's going to be a meaty conversation for sure.
0: Yeah. And for those of you, this came out in what, 2000? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, it's almost 20 years old now. So if you haven't seen the film, check it out, because like always we will be spoiling it. It's just, that's what we do when we discuss the film. So here's your opportunity to, uh, to bow out and go watch this visually stunning uh, film. So why don't you lead in and tell us a little bit about what the film's about, Roger?
1: Awesome, yeah. Um, so the the basic concept of the film is the focal protagonist, Catherine, played by Jennifer Lopez, again, ageless, um, is a social worker who's selected to participate in kind of this trial study for this brand new technology that basically allows um, an individual to go into the mind of someone else who is in a comatose state and basically try to make contact with their their mind um, and help coax them out of that state or at least um, get them to a point where they're communicative to a certain extent. Um, And so she's, you know, it's still part of the study. It's still kind of a brand new technology. Um, When, meanwhile, secondary storyline is going on, Uh, the antagonist, Carl, is is a schizophrenic who is also a serial killer. And he has a very twisted form of capturing and murdering young women who fit a certain type. And right before he is captured by the police, led by uh, a Peter, Vince Vaughn, um, he basically has a seizure and goes into a coma due to his schizophrenic state and I believe the medication he's using. So he is not able to communicate. However, one of the girls he's abducted is still in a cell locked away somewhere. And uh, without him being able to communicate this, they don't know where she is and they're unable to find her. So they need to find out from Carl himself, where this girl is hidden. The only way to do that is for Jennifer Lopez to go into the mind of the schizophrenic individual, attempt to make contact, and attempt to basically win him over enough to get him to tell her where this girl is, and attempt to save her. Um, And so Jennifer Lopez goes into his mind, and it is terrifying. It is a dark and twisted place. And uh, adventures into from there, and it's yeah. great. To be honest, I th- honestly like just to <laughs> just to put it out there. I think this movie is great. I love it. I think it is a wild ride.
0: <laughs> it, it is a wild ride. I perhaps m- maybe don't like it as much as you do, and I'll, I'll kind of get into a little bit of reason why. There, there's no denying this film is visually stunning. The production design, the costumes—that's that's what I mean. That's 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 what makes the film, I think. Um, yeah. And I had mentioned this last episode that I had not swatched this film since it came out in 2000. It had been 20 years since I saw it, and I literally remembered nothing about it. Um, and I can kind of watching it this this time around, I could kind of see why I didn't really remember anything about it because back in you know the 2000s, this really wasn't my type of, of thing. I was going right. through my my heavy, you know, slasher, trying to seek out all the slasher films I could. So this was not my thing. So I could see why I, I did not remember it at all. Um, mm-hmm. But upon this viewing, there was a lot uh, to 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 definitely like about the film to take in. It's, right. it's very um, stylistic, and at some points, I do feel like it may teeter on style over substance, but. We'll get into that. So let's lead in with you kind of going into the, the kind of what you
1: want to talk about first. Sure. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I um, I, I remember visiting this, like, viewing this movie at a pretty young age. I mean, I have it on VHS still. Um, so obviously I, I had that for a while and I, I remember seeing it, I mean, God, I'm getting maybe 14, 15 Around that um, that age, and it, it really stuck with me. Mainly, I would agree because of the visual aspect. And I think there's something about this film that kind of reminds me of another film that I, I have a huge adoration for, and that's the film What Dreams May Come, starring Robin Williams, which is another very visually sumptuous film from that same era. That movie is a little more fantastical and more of like it's you know got more of a religious theme to it. I would not categorize it as horror, but it's that whole Uh, Like, uh, visually, it just um, surpasses a lot of the films of that era, in my opinion. And so I think that applies to this film as well. Even in areas where maybe the the plot or some of the substance is a little thin, um, you can't deny the achievements with the CGI that I think still hold up extremely well. Um, Some of the moments, even some of the more simple moments, like in the opening sequence, there's this really lovely opening sequence with Jennifer Lopez, um, her character Catherine, where she's in the mind of this boy who's in a coma. His name is Edward, and um, she's you know she's been trying to make a contact, trying to win over the trust of this kid. And um, there's this basically this boogeyman figure uh, named Makalak that he keeps referencing, who he he's too scared of really opening up to her because of him. And and at one point he turns to reveal that demonic side and the cgi with like his face when it when it like kind of mutates into this demonic uh counterpart was really impressive i mean you can tell it's cgi but it it really is held up um and you see that consistently throughout the film and it's not like overly dependent on cgi but when you see it it's not horribly dated like some of the other films from that era so visually this film was really kind of definitive for me at a young age and i think that's why it holds i hold such a like a close place in my heart for it. Um, But I won't deny that there are aspects of the story that are kind of thin. I won't deny that the plot at times like teeters on complete absurdity. Um, I will say, I think that the one thing that really gets me through any of those issues, and I I think this is the first thing we can really delve into is the acting performances, at least for me. I think this is Jennifer Lopez's, um, one of her strongest performances. She exudes a warmth in this role of this former social worker, who is now, you know, it, this is. they even say that she's the least experienced of all of the candidates, but because she just makes a connection with these individuals because of her warmth, um, she exudes that. I think she does a great job of being a character who seems really sympathetic towards the, um, the patient she's working with. And um, she does a, a really lovely job of just kind of playing this character with kind of a heart of gold, but in a realistic way. I don't know if you agree on that, but I do think she carries the film pretty well.
0: I do too. I this it it is definitely um, she she carries the film definitely, um, and it is I would totally agree. It's one of her her stronger performances, you know, right, right up there with like Selena and um, Hustlers. It, it is one of her top performances. There is she just yeah you're right. She exudes this warmth and um, her her screen presence in this film is 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 amazing. And I don't know, maybe that's to do with the costuming, but they're just something when you're, when she's on screen, your eyes are kind of transfixed on her and there is that brilliant, you know, and and what kind of gets me kind of flashing ahead here a bit is she is this very warm character throughout the film. And then there is the moment where, since we're talking about a performance, there is a moment where she kind of falls under the spell of the serial killer Starger, Starger. Is that his name? Yeah. Carl, Carl, yeah, Carl yeah. Stargery, and her yeah. kind of facial expressions during that whole scene where she's transfixed by him are really just an antithesis of the warmth and inviting character she's portrayed throughout the film. So uh, that's some very striking imagery as well because you get a close up on her face when when these kind of when she's under his spell and he's kind of torturing the Vince Vaughn character, which we haven't talked about yet. But I I, I think that leads leads itself to this performance being extremely strong yeah and you
1: that. if you also think of like what you're saying with um w- with the time frame like the, the period of, in her career where she was when you uh, really starting to like burst onto the scene with her music career like 1999 2000 2001 like this was like her catapult era. this was a, i mean this um, was a,
0: i think this was a very you know interesting choice for her to as far as was. a role to take this early on, or
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. But you see the influences of like the glamour. Like, if you look at her costumes when she's in this kind of dream state in in the in the mental the mental state of this character, and you see some of these gowns that she's in, and some of these really drastic, dramatic looks, um, it almost like harks towards the future of her career when you see she's just become this fashion icon who is just so glamorous and so mesmerizing. And I mean, she was already beautiful already just this extremely sexy, sexy individual, but my God, like you really saw her take off from this point. And I think, I don't want to say that this film is like a reason for that, but you really got to see the potential of what she could do uh, in the sense of just being this glamorous Stunning individual who has such an impact on pop culture and such an impact on fashion. You really got to see that in this film. And I think that's really interesting watching this now um, because that is what she's associated with now. More so, I think, even than her talent as an actress, which is unfortunate uh, because she is a pretty solid actress. And again, especially in this film, she's often looked at first and foremost as like a fashion icon. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And you see those worlds collide in this film. And I do think that's really cool and very impressive on her behalf.
0: Yeah. So we'll get into the serial killer Carl Stargler. Vincent D'Onofrio is, is, is plays the character, um, and this character, the serial killer, he has a very distinct uh, method, I guess, of of killing his victims, and it's actually pretty disturbing. Um, but he basically he kidnaps uh, women. And we kind of get a glimpse of how he does it, where when he kidnaps the, he has that dog, the white albino dog that he puts out and (coughs) pretends that um, puts it in like the back of the girl's car when she's backing up, so she thinks that she hit the dog. So then she gets out, and he's able to kidnap her. His method is extremely disturbing. So you get the, the the cell is basically this glass enclosure that he has built in his basement or the basement of of a factory or some sort of business that he owned or worked at. And he has it on a timer so that it fills with water and eventually the victim drowns and he it's really creepy. He has a he apparently he suspends himself with hooks over the victim's body after she's mm-hmm. drowned.
1: Drowned and bleached. Let's keep in mind he I'll, yeah. He bleaches the bodies. Like that's terrifying. Yeah.
0: That's pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. That was, that was, you know, he's, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. you have to do that to get out. I mean, yeah. but um, so that's his whole, that's his whole method. And um, so he kidnaps this latest victim and you're, you mentioned this in the synopsis, he goes into a coma and Jennifer Lopez basically, yes, goes into his mind so that they can try to locate this, this latest victim. And let's just talk about like the first time that she wakes up and is in his mind.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I, I found the whole like sequence of the like the transition, like the initial journey into the mind state. First of all, the the, the whole costume piece that they wear and the whole like setup where they're suspended. Um it looks they do like a twin well but it also looks like a muscle structure it's i actually yeah. thought it was pretty cool like i mean it is. it is and and when she's laying there and you see the fabric and you see it starting to spark and that whole thing where it like flips it does that like flip over him being like baptized and it was just really again very advanced for 1999 2000 era there are mm-hmm. some cin- cinematography choices that are made in these sequences that kind of blew my mind and still to this day and i got to give it some credit in that era um, or in that er- that area of um, just how they like kind of take you into that state, because when you look at when they're in the real world, there is no suspension of reality whatsoever. It is very much the real world. Like they even have this whole cop side story, the whole thing Vince Vaughn's leading, where like they break into his house and they have like the SWAT team go in, and it felt very re- rooted in reality.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's you yeah, know that's some of the that, that's some of the weaker parts of the film is when it switches into a police procedural. Yeah, um, yeah. And it, it mainly it's because I don't know. Maybe you disagree with me. I just don't find I don't find Vince Vaughn very. I don't want to say good, but I just don't find him very interesting in this film. Um, he's very like monotone throughout and. It's there's just nothing really he doesn't really bring anything interesting to the the character So when he's on screen, I'm kind of hard for me It was hard for me to kind of keep focused I'm like, okay now I want to get back to the cool visuals because this is becoming a boring police procedural. Yeah, um But that was that's just me. I mean, I just felt like he was maybe miscast a little bit which would be not uncommon because he seems to be miscast a lot because he was miscast in the Psycho remake, um, but that's a whole different conversation.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and well, and like, there's, you're, there's, you no, there is no such thing as wrong with this kind of thing. You know, let's keep in mind everyone has a different interpretation with what they take away from a film. I will say one of the notes I have here is I normally don't like police procedurals, procedurals, but because of the way they paced this. Um, and it was kind of necessary in order to get to the dream state. I actually didn't mind them. They were quick. Uh, they got in and out and uh, you're, you know, about 40 minutes in, you start, you get into the, you get into his mind and you don't really leave it. So um, I didn't mind the, the police aspect knowing that, you know, eventually this is not going to be a part of it as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually did note that I prefer Vince Vaughn in dramas over comedies. Um, I do not mind him in this role. I, I like him in this role. Uh, that's just me though. I'm not a fan of him in comedies. He's got a very smug delivery, but in this role, this character is supposed, I mean, there's even a scene where he's brushing his teeth in his office in a, in a wife beater. And I'm like, he looks like somebody who would do that. He's kind of gross, um, and kind of like looks just kind of a little greasy. And so from that angle, I didn't mind him, but I can see why other people are not a fan. Um, I'm just normally not a fan of him to begin with. And I didn't hate him in this.
0: Yeah, I just didn't find him very charismatic in this at all. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. would have preferred somebody else that brought a little spark to the role. Mm-hmm. But um, no, but I get it. I get it. Um, yeah. So basically, she goes into his mind for the first time and she meets the she meets him she, she, Carl. She goes into the serial killer's mind and she first person she kind of sees is, well, I'm trying to remember. I know she runs into him as a little boy.
1: I mean, really quick, when you get into that that dream state, and I don't even know how to reference it. It's not no, so much a dream; she's in his mind. Yeah. I mean, she's basically transitioned into his mind. But um, and I remember this whole sequence from like when the movie came out in the trailers. I thought it was further in the movie, but pretty much like as soon as she gets into his mind, we have that that iconic horse sequence. You remember the horse sequence? Because I remember that horse sequence, and it's still pretty damn effective.
0: It is. It's very surprising, very effective. But yeah, she runs into to little boy Carl Starger, and yeah. um, you know, obviously representing the you know childlike side of his mind to show that he still has some sort of innocence left in him, even though he's this vicious serial killer. Um, right. But this, but it, but the the evil Carl is stalking the younger one, trying to kind of erase that innocence to become pure evil. It seems. So yeah, that horse scene, yeah, that comes real quick. You this beautiful horse, and she goes to pet it, and the little Carl, little boy Carl, comes and pushes her out of the way, and this like huge, like multi-bladed guillotine falls on the horse and cuts it into like what twenty pieces, and it separates. It's really cool. It is a really cool, uh, really cool yeah. um, effect. Definitely one of the more memorable ones. But then you find out through her in his mind, you get to see a glimpse of how Carl was treated as a child. He was abused <laughs> horrifically by his father. Um, horrifically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, I guess that falls in line with like a, like maybe a serial killer cliche that, you know, you know, all serial killers were abused or whatever by their parents, but, or, or kind of somehow is justifying why he is the way he is. Um, Which, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know how I feel about that, but um, yeah. So I mean, that's where we go. You find out why. I guess that's the reasoning for why he became a serial killer is because of the abuse he suffered by his father.
1: Yeah, I think it's a layered. uh, It's very layered in the sense of why he became who he is. Because on top of the abuse, you also have this whole schizophrenic aspect to who he is as well. uh, The the Wayland's infraction. Thing that they bring up with um, which is basically like a virus that uh, eventually he just kind of breaks and loses he's the doctor basically says at that point when the Waylands infraction when that happens he's basically erased you know um, he's not just in a coma he's gone um, but the whole schizophrenic aspect um, which you see a brief amount of uh, you see it briefly when he's still conscious you see him have these little attacks um, is like it's pretty prevalent and they really kind of go in uh, deep to the whole mental illness thing, uh, which, you know, I'm not going to say that they handle it great. I mean, because especially now in 2020, where mental illness is really like focused on with like a, you know, it's very respected and you, you walk on eggshells when you're addressing it, but I will give them credit for at least like the The whole focus around this is around is around mental illness and how somebody with mental illness or schizophrenia specifically, it's very hard for them to discern from reality from fantasy. And I do at least appreciate like the care and the um the way that like uh, Catherine's character treats these patients, even Carl, young Carl. Like it's it's clear that she. Respects her job, and that she's there on a do, you know, with with a mission. Um, and and I don't think that they wrote her in a way that, in any way, read disrespectful to me. So I at least appreciate that. It seems like they did a bit of their research going into this, um, and so I think that was pretty unique for that time, dealing with something like schizophrenia uh, and having it be such a prevalent aspect of this film.
0: Uh, yeah. I the one thing that I feel like this film may I I would have liked to see more from this film is more background about truly who this Carl guy was. Uh, I feel like it's very, I mean, you you get very surface level stuff. Okay. He's a serial killer. Great. But you don't really get to know him like as a person, like in the operating in the real world, if that makes sense. So because so much of what we know yeah. of him is from these images in his self-conscious I would I would have liked I felt like I feel like it could have been a little bit more effective if you would have gotten some more Humanization of him in like the real world. We know okay. We know he's a serial killer. Okay, perfect But what about what does he do in his daily life is what's this does mm-hmm. he you know, does he how does he interact with people? Um, does he have a regular job where people are like, oh, right. he, he would never be a serial, you know, if you look like, and I hate to compare it, but like something like *Science of the Lambs* with with Buffalo Bill and Hannibal Lecter, those characters are are flushed out, mm-hmm. and you get to know kind of yeah. them outside of their serial killer side. Um, and it would have been nice to kind of see that in this film, because it, it, to me, to me, the whole serial killer thing just seems mm-hmm. very like it's okay. Well, he was he was beaten as a kid, so obviously now he's a serial killer. It's that there's nothing more to this character besides that. Yeah. And I would have liked you know, a little bit more exploration of that. I do. Oh, I want to point out some terror when she goes into his mind for the first time, you get all those shots of those of his victims, like as balls. That is creepy as hell. And it really, mm-hmm. yeah, it really reminded me of like a nineties, like Marilyn Manson music video, which is interesting because the director, um, Tarsim Singh, I believe like a nine-inch nails kind of thing. Yeah He actually got to start directing music videos. He directed um in vogue's music video hold on and losing my religion from REM So it's kind of interesting. I guess you could see why this film I think does have some heavy heavy 90s grunge hard, you know rock music video influence to it because that's kind of how he got to start
1: It does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. When you mentioned, you mentioned something pretty pivotal and I do want to touch on it just because it's a big note I have here. Um, But you mentioned the whole silence of the lambs correlation, which is actually this movie is often compared to silence of the lambs. And I completely understand why. Um, But two things on that note. First of all, that I completely see why people would relate it. Uh, However, I don't think to the extent, like people say it's in some ways, it's almost a ripoff of silence of the lambs and beyond the relationship between Catherine and Carl, similar in, in a way to the kind of the pursuit of the Buffalo Bill figure and Julia in the well, um, or, or I'm sorry, in the in the cell compared to you know the whole the girl in the well in in Silence of the Lambs. Like yes, th- there are, those are similarities, and I'll absolutely say that. But the one thing that that makes it so different to me, and I think the one thing, the reason for his character not getting the attention that a Hannibal Lecter, Buffalo Bill received in Silence of the Lambs is at the end of the day, this is a fantasy and it is a horror. And you spend 40 minutes mm-hmm. learning about who Catherine is, who Carl is, all of these characters before you even go into a fantasy realm. Already you're over 40 minutes into the film. And while I completely agree with you that his character does not get as much attention as I think he could have received... Um, maybe in a director's cut or what have you that would have existed because that would be an ideal reality. I can't imagine them pushing that any further before you start getting the meat of the movie, which is when you are in his mind. Um, and, and for me, I mean, I, when I was watching this I, and I, I paused it just so I could see like, okay, she's finally in there. And I was like, it's 42 minutes in. That's That's a long period. That's a long amount of time to watch a movie before you really get the ball rolling, um, and luckily, you know, it kept my attention. The characters are are captivating enough to keep me watching it, especially uh, Catherine and her whole story. But yeah, you really don't get. Um, a lot of that whole fantastical aspect other than the whole sequence the sequence with Edward and her like little dream sequence about Edward. Um, everything else, like I said, very rooted in reality. So I do think that might be why they kind of rushed his story because the whole point is to get into his mind, you know. Um, but I agree. like I would have liked to have learned more about who he is today. How has did his childhood really affect him? What are his social skills like? How does he interact with people? Um, the whole abduction scene in the garage was very effective to me um i would have liked to have seen more of that to be honest you know him capturing the girls and everything because the way he used the dog and manipulated that was very off-putting um but yeah i i agree with you on that um and i like i said i do see the similarities to silence of the lambs don't don't get me wrong on that but um I do think it becomes its own thing. Once you once you get into the dream world, it's its own thing and it is completely unlike that film. So I do well, think I agree, it's I agree. a very I'm unique just saying. I mean, I think
0: there are definitely silence of the land parallels here, but the film def- definitely becomes its own thing. Yes. Um, I just have a, I feel like, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the secondary characters in this film just don't get a lot of, uh, they're not flushed out very well. Um, besides, I think Jennifer Lopez's Catherine is the most fleshed out character in the film, which I guess makes sense considering she is the focal mm-hmm. point. But even like, you know, even like the two doctors that, that are, you know, in charge of getting her into this subconscious thing, they don't really have any personality or any really thing to do. And it's you're wasting, you know, it's kind of a waste of two really good act- actors, Dylan Baker and Marianne Jean Um And then... You know, even like the, and I, yeah. I'm sorry, but even like the, the girl that gets abducted, like you don't really care about her. I mean, because she doesn't really show any personality. She's her right. whole personality is she's screaming the whole time. Like it would have been nice to like have some right. sort of, you know, personality injected into her, like going, going back to science of the lambs, the, the girl that's in the well, she has a ton of personality. Yeah. There's you, you care about her. Yeah. Um, but okay, that's, that's just my, my, that's just
1: my thing. Um, yeah, I agree with you, man. I do agree with you on that note. I do, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the imagery that you're smacked in the face with during the uh, during these trips into his subconscious is is really just, it, it's almost visually overwhelming. So trying to remember like what
1: she sees. Um, I'll say there's a few shots over the course of the film that now watching it again as an adult, I'm able to see that and be like, okay, so... I'm going to give you an example. There is a a one shot that she sees that's very off-putting really early on when she wakes up and they do this really cool thing where like the camera pans, it does that whole thing from the, the baptism and it goes up his legs and all of a sudden you're just, you're you pan into this brand new set, which is basically the innards of his mind. And the camera then turns and she wakes up and she starts walking through this, like this, this kind of crumbling, um, like landscape. And she looks into a room and she sees a, a dog in slow motion, like, sh- like, you know, shaking its fur and the blood is coming off of the fur. And, you know, he has this dog. And I think in like some ways I'm like, okay, so maybe he, did he have a dog when he was younger? Is this tying into a memory he had? Is that why he chooses to have the dog now? Cause he has that whole obsession with the whole albino thing, which is, Really freaking creepy. All of the albino imagery is very off putting, um, both in the real world when they're finding the bodies and they're all bleached and that's terrifying to me, but also like the alternate images that they see. Like you said, when she walks into that room and all of the cells kind of lift. And because it's a music video director, there's this thing that they do with the camera where, like, it'll pan, but it'll, like, jarringly go, like, and you'll actually hear it, like, twitch over to another shot. Um, And you kind of reveal all of these albino women who are kind of Mm -hmm. his fantasies. Um, And then you see that consistently throughout the whole time that you're in his mind. They keep referencing that when Vince, cause Vince Vaughn eventually goes in because she, be, Jennifer Lopez becomes trapped in his mind. She, she becomes overwhelmed in the schizophrenic men- mindset. And so Vince Vaughn has to go in as the third member. And he sees that moment where you have the women that are basically like in a row, one, two, three, and they're all like whispering, like, like, you, you know, the moment I'm talking about and they like look over at him. I do. That's, um, the,
0: that's the, yes, that, that I actually have a note on that because that freak, that's actually pretty effective. It's when he, yeah, the second he gets, when he wakes up in, in um, Carl's mind, yeah, those three women, they're on like all fours. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's pretty creepy. Yeah. Anyways, Vince Vaughn is the one that goes into, to try to save her. I don't know why one of the doctors couldn't have done it, but he goes in there and he is immediately, I mean pretty quickly like overtaken by the creepy Carl character.
1: Yeah. Like the ultra demon that, that the alternate manifestation of who he is. It's like the negative, whereas you have the child in his, like the positive aspect of Carl is the kid. You also have this like demonic, like almost like Lord, like master Lord that kind of oversees. And he's like this monstrous version of him. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty terrifying. He, the, that performance is a standout, I would say. Once you get to that point of the movie, he really rules over the film, and, and, and is pretty empowering. Yeah, but then you get—I
0: mean, yeah—and then he, th- it's a pretty cr- crazy scene because he he captures Vince Vaughn and basically cuts his intestines out and, and wraps it around a uh, like a pole and just starts winding his yeah. intestines out. And yeah, uh, and I'm like, oh shit, but. Vince Vaughn is able to snap, because at this point, Jennifer Lopez is under, you know, we talked about, this, she's under uh, Carl's spell, but he's able to snap uh, snap her out of it by by reminding him of, or reminding her that her, of her brother who was in a coma and then ended up passing away. So that kind of snaps her back into the real world, and she's able to stab um, Carl to release Vince Vaughn's character, Peter, so that they can kind of continue trying to find out what, you know, where this woman is, who in the meantime is, you know, the water is getting higher and higher and it's a race of time because they need to find out where she's at.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I will say like at the end of the day, like the film, and I guess this kind of ties into what you said with parts of it feeling slightly contrived or predictable, like it takes a lot of risks and chances with visuals and some of the sequences, um, and some of the bolder choices it makes, uh, just in as a as a sumptuous visual feast, it, it's pretty compelling. But when you follow like the the storyline, once it gets to a certain point, it really is kind of a by the numbers. Like it's kind of exactly how I would expect it to end. And I guess that would be one of the things, the weaker aspects of it is overall. I think you can sit down and say, this is how I would suspect this movie would go. And it's exactly what I would would expect the movie to be. Uh, and if it wasn't for having such an awesome lead in Jennifer Lopez, having a, a director who at least had such a good eye for really unique visuals of that time, um, because like you said, it does capture that nineties grunge kind of look, but it doesn't really feel dated. I'll say that. Like I watched it and I will say like, there are some sequences in it that are still hold up better than things I've seen from, the late 2010s. Um, but overall, the story is kind of a by the numbers, like predictable plot. And that I would say would be maybe the one weak point that I would agree with on that.
0: Yeah, I mean, very, very much so. And that's that's one of the reasons why I'm like I'm I'm hesitant to say, oh, I, I love this movie, or like is because I feel like, you know, underneath all of the, the beautiful uh production design the 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 visuals the costumes which are amazing the makeup effects which are amazing it's basically a a episode of law and order
1: (laughs) with fantasy in it
0: (laughs) yeah i mean you know what's going to happen you know how it's going to end you know you know there i guess there's never any doubt that they're going to find this girl in time which they do because when vince vaughn is in the mind of carl he sees some sort of emblem that he recognizes,
1: and then he's able to trace that back to where this. What, what, is, what is it? Is it a? It's something it's he a, saw on the metal table, wasn't it? Like when yeah. he first. Yeah, and so he was able to like tie that into where they find the girl eventually,
0: and then the ending. You know, they he, he's able to find the girl and, they, of course, save her, um, which is just in time.
1: Just in time. Yeah, yeah. There's a certain predictability factor to it. Uh, that I think is hard to deny, but um at the end of the day, everything being said, I can still watch this movie and and at least be really impressed with like just the scope of it. like it feels like a very large budget uh, glamorous film okay. like uh, the the sequence where. He reveals himself as like the warlord. I don't even know what term to use, like the demonic form of Carl. And like, he stands up and he starts walking down that staircase and the walls, which are draped in like those curtains, become his cape and like they're tumbling behind him. Like there's just these moments where they made these really stunning, like bold artistic choices. And for that aspect alone, I like to revisit this just because it's a feast for the eyes. Is it going to really challenge my brain not really but um hey at least it's not the sequel to Cell 2 <laughs> don't know if you've ever seen it don't know if you know it exists but it does exist
0: i knew it exi- I i knew it existed i've just never watched it um i probably won't but um no i was oh I, I can't i have to mention the score the score to this film is actually really good there's it's 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 so just grand um there's that the, the the part of the score that sounds like almost like, I don't even know like, army bagpipe marching music and just this whole like symphony of of, of bagpipes and, and percussions. It's just it's beautiful and it's very effective.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I actually and, have know, a note that, as I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. I was going to say um, like along the lines of the score. Also the sound. In general, like the sound mixing, like I mentioned earlier when it would do that camera technique and the camera would kind of like twitch over to the side and you'd hear like scuttling like, like they made these really unique subtle sound effect choices that really added to the atmosphere of this being just an unsettling and out of control environment. Um, there's a really impressive mix of just really fantastically designed sets, like that massive staircase. When she when she first gets into the, the dreamscape and she sees the kid running up that massive stone staircase, and just like the way the shots are just designed was just really stunning, but the sound like just enhanced that dream state that much more, um, along with the score. Those aspects were pretty phenomenal. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and the ending is kind of... I don't want to say sad. sad is not the right word but I mean it kind of is because basically what 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 happens is um in the end of the film Jennifer low and she kind of they they reverse roles in in terms of Jennifer Lopez invites Carl Starger into her subconscious this time and right. and as a means to try to you know, Destroy him, whatever. And the imagery there is, I mean, basically, she's dressed as the Virgin Mary, I guess. That's, I mean, and mm-hmm. she, she ends up killing, stabbing, kicking actually Carl's ass because he's in her mind now. And, but right. she realizes by doing this, she's actually also killing young Carl, which makes sense. And she, basically takes him and drowns him in a, in the, in the pool as a way to put him out of his misery. Again, very religious, like symbolism there. I mean, here she is dressed as a, as dressed as a Virgin Mary and she's, she's baptizing him in in a, in a pool, but it's actually killing him. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. And it's kind of sad because the little boy, you know, you, you do kind of feel for the little boy, Carl. You don't really feel for the adult Carl, the little boy, Carl, you know, he is not. He is. He's still a little boy. He has not. He's not the the the, ki- the monster. He's just an innocent little boy, um, right? That's unfortunately attached to the evil Carl, the serial killer Carl. So you can't actually let the little boy live if you know real Carl dies. So it's kind
1: of sad. Yeah. One thing I ap- I appreciated with the overall. <clears throat> The, the story arc and how they approached it and how they you know basically persuaded her to go into the mind of the serial killer to begin with is with the whole schizophrenic aspect and I think this might have been one of the things I thought they played out a little bit better is the idea that you know he's obviously very ill mm-hmm. he is you know has a very severe form of schizophrenia he is just an overall tortured person but they were stating you know early in the film that he keeps leaving signs that they think he wants to be caught that there's part of this individual who is still human and knows what he's doing is wrong and wants to be caught because he doesn't want to do it anymore. And even though he's doing these horrible things, it does, you know, as a mentally ill individual, it gives you this kind of sympathetic angle towards the character, you know, especially when he's portrayed as the, the young boy, the boy who's not really yet been tainted by all of his horrible backstory and his mental illness, um, it gives you this kind of sympathetic edge, knowing that there's a part of him that does not want to do this. And so I think when you see that whole, and I keep referencing that really amazing baptism shot when she's first transitioning into his mindset, it's the first thing you see, which very much ties into how he was raised as a child and everything. Because at the end, that is the means in which she you know, she, she kills him. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an act of sympathy. On her behalf, I think too, because that, uh, knowing what he's been through, knowing what he's become, knowing that there's still a part of him that is human, you know, um, that was a very that was a very uh, interesting through story for me. That they did have this kind of sympathetic edge that they were convinced that if he spoke to the right person, he would absolutely state where this girl was being kept because he didn't really want to be doing these horrible things. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I agree. I agree with that. It, it's, yes. it is a, it's, yes. it, it's an interesting film. Um, I, yeah, I would probably revisit it again. It's, it, I just, like I said, I had just have a few problems with it, but overall, I mean, I, I would definitely check this out again. I would, I, if people haven't seen it, if someone hasn't seen this film, I would definitely recommend it uh, mm-hmm. because it is, I feel like, you know, looking at horror fantasy cinema of the last 20 years i think this definitely is is a standout film um, Mm -hmm. that just is is visually stunning and illustrates a a perfect example of a director who has a clear vision of what they want to achieve
1: right even if the script is a bit incoherent at times or if it's a bit simplistic at times um it's still at least visually is motivated is very motivated Uh, In telling a very um, uh, beautiful and at times terrifying uh, story through visuals, you know, um, that, that I would say, outweighs any negatives i may have any critiques i may have about the storytelling itself Mm -hmm. the execution of the film is what carries it for me Mm -hmm. and it's so strong and it's so consistent that yeah i absolutely would say that any fans of horror especially psychological horror or fantasy horror should visit this film just because i think they're going to be impressed for you know a 1999-2000 film i think they're gonna be really impressed by what this team managed to achieve. Uh, I think it was very impressive that they made a movie that looks so stunning, even by today's standards.
0: So any, any kind of final thoughts on the film, anything you. you...
1: I mean, uh, aside from the fact that, like I said, to start off with Jennifer Lopez is a vampire and uh, I need to find out what she's doing to maintain her youth and beauty uh, because it is, Honestly, kind of terrifying. Looking at her, she looks better now than she looked then.
0: I think. I think maybe. <laughs> I think maybe having you know tens of millions of dollars might have something to do with that. But um.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, I, I I'm aware. I'm sure there's plenty of things she's doing that I cannot afford. But no, she just it shocking to me that she is so fucking beautiful. As a gay man, I'm just blown away. Um, but um, <laughs> yes, she's like a fine one.
0: Yeah, no, she's, she's improved with age. Yeah. And I feel like she's, she's definitely grown into a, a, she's grown into an an, an actual, you know, good actress that you, that, I mean, I'm not saying that to be snarky or anything, but, you know, usually when you have like, you know, pop stars that transition into acting and they're kind of, it's kind of a joke, but she has really become a very good actress. I, I feel like she's given a lot of great performances.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think she's often underrated for it. And I think uh, she's often looked at for her public image. But when you watch a movie like this, where she has these really subtle moments, it's her subtle moments in this film and her warm moments in this film that make her so endearing. Um, so, yeah, I would say, honestly, watch this film for her performance, for the for the visual aspects of the movie. Do not watch the sequel to Cell 2. It was straight to DVD. There is a reason for that those would be my two notes. But yeah, I mean, honestly, I I would recommend this movie in a heartbeat to horror fans. Like I said, especially fans of horror fantasy, um, because it just, it delivers on a visual scale, unlike most, honestly, unlike most films of, of this genre. Well, this one,
0: yeah, this is one that I feel like a lot of younger horror fans, like, and I'm talking about younger horror fans, like in their early teens, but I feel like they would, watch and, and and like because it is very visually in your face um it, it, it kind of punches you with the, with these strong visuals that and i feel like you know younger horror fans that are maybe used to you know playing video games with all those striking visuals and and, and whatnot would appreciate this film maybe more so than a lot of stuff that came out in you know horror stuff that came out in the early 2000s Absolutely. but yeah so i would definitely recommend it it's the cell it's hey check
1: it out um So now, yeah, so that was fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy that we stuck with that one because I I was almost hesitant to select it at first because I feel like I picked two movies, you know, even though this is not as recent as The Invitation, like I've been wanting to go for like a film from like 1980s, but these two films just kind of stuck out to me as films I wanted to revisit. So I was like, might as well. Next choice, I'm going to pick something a little more, a little more nostalgic, I think, in the sense of the era but um, yeah, I, I'm happy. I'm happy that we we went into that one because uh, being such a cerebral film, it gives it has a lot of a lot of meat to it. There's a lot to dissect, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of of next choices, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because you picked two such highbrow <laughs> films in a row, The Initiation and in The Cell, I kind of am in the mood to cover something a little bit more goofy maybe lighthearted. So, I are I'm I'm choosing the 80s slasher film Slaughter High for my next pick. So that'll be our next episode. And
1: Troy, can I tell you a secret? Yeah, I've never seen it.
0: Oh my god, yes, this is going to be so this is gonna be so fucking fun. I can't wait. Seriously yeah, I
1: wanted to wait until like this you, e- conversation. You are happen. gonna
0: I, <laughs> No, I cannot wait. I cannot wait for you to watch you are gonna just have a I don't even know. I, I don't know what your reactions well I do know, but I just wish I could be there watching it with you because <laughs> I think it's gonna be like, what the hell? Um but yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, I can't wait.
1: Yeah, because honestly, the last one you picked that I hadn't I had not watched, I was even if I didn't necessarily love it, I couldn't stop. I could take my eyes off of it. You know what I mean? It was such a train wreck. So I trust you.
0: <laughs> this one I feel like is, is going to be, yeah. Um, just wait. Okay. Well, I'm excited. Just wait. But yeah. So that's what, so that's what we're going to cover on our next episode, which will hopefully be out um, mm-hmm. next mm-hmm. week. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, if you, Hey, if you, if you're enjoying what we're doing here, um, yeah, give us a review. Um, We'll try to be a little bit more you know, uh, engaging on the um, Facebook group, so join the group, the Dark Knight on the podcast group, so you kind of get an idea of what we're doing. and
1: we'll We also have an doing. Instagram, guys. Keep that in mind. We've got some social media pumping. We're still fresh into our first season, but uh, we're definitely trying to keep our outreach to our fan base and everything moving and shaking. So uh, we really want your feedback. Regarding second season, we're really looking into a lot of the titles you guys are going to be recommending. So please make sure to send those our way, and just keep the dialogue going on our pages because we wanna we wanna know what you're thinking. We wanna hear your feedback on the films we're watching. We wanna know what you think about them. So um, please, like, keep the convos going because we love hearing your feedback. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Anything oh. else, Troy? Before we wrap up this episode.
0: No, I, 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 I can. I, I'm, I'm ready to log out and have you watch Slaughter High because I can now wait to t- discuss it with you. It is going to be. I I had no idea you haven't seen it. No. That just makes it even. Better. I was oh, waiting. I was
1: waiting to tell you because I knew you'd be excited because you started so excited about this episode.
0: Oh my god, but, I am. You're gonna you're, you're you're gonna channel your inner Stella, and you'll know what I'm talking
1: about when you watch. can wait. I can't wait. I feel like it's gonna get really gay. Um, and yeah, I will say on a closing note for this episode, just going back to the beginning, what we stated: teacher shortage is out, lest we forget. Mm-hmm. Please, fans, give it a view. Give it a watch. Let us know what you think. We got to pump that promo a little bit, so uh, I just want to keep that fresh in your minds. Teacher shortage out now. Yeah, there. Yeah,
0: if you watch it, if you watch it and you like it, definitely give it a rating on Amazon, um, IMDb, IMDb. Yeah, the higher rate, higher ratings definitely help. Just like with the podcast, if you like the podcast, give it a rating. Yep. There's also a really cool um, teacher shortage YouTube channel that exists. I didn't know if you know that you should go and, and follow it because um there is a song that was written specifically for the film that plays over the end credits and the uh gentleman who wrote the song and produced it has like literally like 30 different remixes of it i'm gonna download um, all of them
1: i can't wait I'm gonna, hold, yes. I'm gonna host a teacher shortage remix party where all, all i play. It's, i mean
0: <laughs> and like it's like almost every other day he's sending me a new remix of it yeah, so and uh, it puts I them did. up on youtube so check it out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Guys, we appreciate you listening. We're going to keep these episodes coming more regularly now that we know what you guys are liking. So thank you all for listening. And Troy, as always, it's a pleasure. Love ya. Yes. Love ya. <laughs> all right, You're guys, happy. we will talk to you next episode. Thank you for tuning in to Dark Night of the Podcast.
0: Bye.